Okay, I want to hijack the session just to ask Jay a question. 12 inches. No one will care. (laughs) There you go. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. everybody welcome to the syncast this is chris atkinson from cinema sins joined as always by the voice of cinema sins jeremy scott Yow! from music video sins barrett share from sift pop aaron dicer well, thank you hello and we have some very special guests with us today mm-hmm. from the view askew universe jason muse and brian o'halloran yay yeah. This sounds so much like a morning zoo show. I <laughs> hey, and doing the weather today, we have O'Halloran. This Welcome is the Gator the Lunatic. <laughs> if, it, if it devolves into that, you can feel free to leave right now. Um, but uh, thank you for coming out, guys. Uh, what has been going on with you lately? What do you... Uh, I heard that you have uh, you've directed a new movie. Uh, I, yes, I got to direct my first feature. Uh, it's called Madness in the Method. Um, we shot three weeks in London. We shot four days in L.A. Uh, it's being edited and all that good stuff, and we're going to try to get it uh, finished in time to submit to Sundance. Um, and, yeah, we're trying to see what else. We might do something else with it, but I'm waiting to hear back. Uh, Brian O'Halloran's in it. He was amazing. Uh, Dean Kane, Kevin Smith, Terry Hatcher, uh, Vinnie Jones, uh, Danny Trejo, Stan Lee. Yeah. Um, so I had some really cool people uh, jump on board and do cameos or bigger than cameos. Um, but yeah, it's been great. So I've been doing that. Kevin and I, of course, are still doing Jay and Silent Bob Get Old. So we've been touring around with that podcast. Um, and uh, I'm actually starting to do some solo uh, sort of Q&A stand-up, if you will. I guess it would be, I don't know if it's stand-up, but... Uh, you know, I don't know. It'd be a Q and A slash stand up, um, and I start my first tour uh, in a few weeks. Actually, I have the dates here. I'm gonna actually say it so I can promote it. We've actually so got it. If anyone could get it, you know the dates. Yeah, but, um, uh, Jay will be performing at Tacoma Comedy Club on Thursday, September 14th at 8 p.m. and Friday the 15th at 8 p.m. and 10 p.m. And also, they'll be performing at the Spokane. Is it Spokane or Spokane? I don't know. (laughs) I say potato, potato. At the Spokane Comedy Club on September 16th at 8 p.m. and 10 p.m. Yes, thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, I'm excited about that because, you know, Kevin uh, was doing uh, his evening with Kevin Smith for years and years, and I used to every once in a while hop on stage with them. and then we started our podcast, and then I did one or two shows solo, and I really, I really enjoyed it. So I wanted to do more, and and so yeah, that uh, you know, uh, people are nice enough to invite me to their comedy club slash venues, um, and I'm very excited to start doing that. And uh, hopefully, if all goes as planned, we start shooting uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot, nice. Uh, which is a sequel to Jay and Silent Bob in November. So, oh, and the new Todd in the Book of Pure Evil animated <laughs> movie that I did finally just uh, I got to see that at the Fan Expo in uh, Toronto last weekend, and it'll be out on Blu-ray DVD in December. Nice, good wow. God, you guys have been busy. 
try i try absolutely uh so how was that like getting behind the uh the director's chair uh just behind the behind the camera was that something you sort of learned on uh, many years of being on sets or were you learning it on the job or uh, what i definitely think you know it's, it was a big help watching uh kevin for years and years and then other directors that i've worked with and stuff um i really dug it it's something i've been wanting to do i had done a music video uh, and I've done a PSA uh, and then a short, like, 12-minute movie. Um, and I really enjoyed all those. And I was like, man, I really want to do a feature. So um, it's something I've been wanting to do, and I got to do it. And, it, and it's uh, the only thing I would do different is I acted as well in this movie that I directed. So, um, again, which I, I dug, but it would have been nice for my first feature to just sit behind the camera and direct and really focus on directing and and everything else and uh you know so but it was tough doing both but i got through it but i had some help um but i i'm really looking forward to doing it again but again next time i definitely want to do it where if i'm i'd rather not be in it at all but if i am maybe i'm in a scene or two not you know the one of the main characters so but again, it, for this for this movie and the script and and what it's about, um, it was necessary. So again, I'm I'm very happy with it. So we'll see, we'll see. Awesome, guys. Do you have some questions? Sure. What what is uh, attractive to you about directing? Like, what do you really like? If you could zone in on like the one thing that draws you to direct instead of you know be in front of the camera, what do you what do you think that would be? I think uh, ordering people around. Right. No. Nice. Nice. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I totally get no, it. No, you know, it's uh, for me. It was. It's. I feel like the whole process, like me being able to not just jump in a movie and be told like, all right, blocking is you walk through the door, you say this, you do this. Like I got to be part of like what what the um, you know what the movie's gonna look like, you know what the cars look like, what the apartment, like little things like, hey, do you want a picture here or do you want it to be a blank wall or a mirror, um, wardrobe and everything. It's it was just, it's really for me it was really cool to really. Um, really put the, the, you know, be part of the whole process and really it be my vision and not just going in as a character, um, as shooting a, you know, a scene or even being a whole movie where I'm just playing a character and you're focused on that character. I got to be part of the whole process. And, uh, you know, it, it's definitely fun too to see what I, you know, what I see in my head of a scene and to then see it go even further. Like Brian's scene was like, again, I was, it's honestly, and I'm not just saying that cause Brian's here, but I really expected Brian, like I've seen Brian in our, our movies and I've seen him in a couple of movies he's done outside our movies. And I know he's a great actor, but um, you know, I thought because it was my movie and he was going to come do the character that he'd come and he'd throw a little bit of screaming and yelling for what the scene uh, called for. And when you see it, you'll know what I'm talking about. But he went full on and, and it was just awesome to see him uh, where I thought he was going to bring his a game he brought his like a double plus game and it really blew me away and and uh so again i just um i don't know it's cool to be on the other end of that of that and not just be like well i hope i don't step on his line i hope i don't do this i actually was like wow that's great and and i can't even expect him anything better because it was amazing and um i still did worry about stepping on his lines because there was a point <laughs> Um, I don't. I guess I don't know if I want to give too much away, but yeah, I don't want to give too much away. So, um, but it, it was really amazing. So, but I, I think what I love about it again was is really being able to. To me, it's almost like 
um, I'm really into right now Legos. Like I go home every night and I build, when I'm not home home, even when I am home, when my daughter falls asleep and my wife falls asleep, I sneak in my man cave and I build my Legos for like a half hour. And when I'm away, nice. I go and buy Legos. And I, I like as soon as we got here yesterday from LA, we landed around 10.30 and on the way to the hotel, we stopped at Walmart and I bought a Lego. Um, point is, is like the Lego process is you see the Death Star and you get to build it brick by brick and see it finished um, and I feel like that's what the movie like directing a movie is like it's like you see the Death Star and I get to build it piece by piece by saying like I don't want a hammer here I want a ball peen hammer or I want a crowbar and just little stuff like that it was awesome now you just hope that the movie critics aren't the rebels that come and destroy <laughs> your movie by <laughs> shooting it down not. I hope not did you did you cover the port vent at least I did not <laughs> not yet I haven't right. finished it it's totally explained in Rogue One by the way yeah, the whole exactly. plot hole yeah, it'll yeah. be right Brian <laughs> how, how is Jason Muse the director uh, it's it's fantastic. It was a huge uh, surprise that, like you said, how he would pick the most mundane details. They would come and ask him for th his input, which it should be. And he had his vision ready to go and everything else. And working with him for all these years as Jay, playing Jay or seeing him in other movies and portraying characters really great. But now him grasping along, and to be honest with you, he had an amazing crew. This, this crew mm -hmm. based out of Derby, England, were really great cats who really covered anything we needed. They were on there. So it was great, A, acting opposite him because it was very rare, even in the Views universe, for Dante and Jay to interact. There was very few scenes that Dante and Jay interact. So in this film, all my scenes are with Jay and you know and they're important scenes in the film as a matter of fact so it's it's really fun to have seen him grow in such an amazing just as an artist in general but also you know he's been hanging around so many great filmmakers as well to know the process enough that he knows his vision and the de the focus on detail like you said even with Legos is it was that it was like no 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 you know there were moments on set where it's like no that's not what I want we got to get it right and we have to wait 20 30 minutes while they get it ready to, to his vision, which is just a great sign that of a guy who knows what he wants and, and will get it when we want to get it done. That's I, awesome. I'm really, really excited because I know what he wanted to tell people, but we're like, we shouldn't say, I can't wait to do the promotion for the film because it's, it's such a great arc of his character in the film and all these cameos in it are really, it's like a fan explosion in your head of, of this film. <laughs> And it's funny, I was like, well, who is going to get the credits for casting Wizard World? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally everybody that's in the film is somebody that you'll eventually see on the convention circuit. It's really, really funny for that matter. I can't wait to see this. This is uh, just seeing the little synopsis, which is what it's about. Is it about method acting? Is it about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's about uh, so my. It, it, I keep it trying, I'm horrible at explaining movies, even my own, but um, it's like an Earth 19 of, of real life. Like Kevin Smith plays Kevin Smith and Brian plays Brian, but uh, it, but not as in this universe. It would be like an alternate universe, and it's me wanting to uh, have, you know, casting directors and, and directors take me serious and not want me to always be the snoochie boochie guys um, <laughs> and so it's it starts off as me being like hey no I can do this and and something happens bad and then something worse happens and worse happens and um, you know it's it's hard to explain but yeah it's 
It's like Jay gets a hold of Rick from Rick and Morty's portal gun. <laughs> yeah. It's nice. pretty. It's if you think of it that way, like, well, imagine if Jay and Silent Bob or Kevin and Jay got a hold of Rick's portal gun, <laughs> and we went to the alternate versions of all of our lives. It's pretty funny, actually. Oh my god, I can't wait to see this, guys. Yeah, what do you have? How old were you guys when uh, when you did Clerks? Uh, I was twenty three. You were seventeen. I was seventeen. Yeah. Jesus. Jeez. So you're essentially kids, and that's what you're most known for. Are you, are you good with that? It sounds like with this project, you're trying to kind of break out of that a little yeah. bit. I mean, well, I definitely think, again, not that, say, over the years I've gotten to do other uh, other stuff. People, uh, it's been nice. Like, I did a movie, uh, K-11, with uh, Jules Stewart, who's Kristen Stewart's mom, um, and that was uh, like a dark drama set in a prison, and I play like a, a serious sort of, darker role um and then i played uh in a movie zombie hamlet where i play an actor who plays hamlet and they're zombies so i'm saying i definitely have gotten that. yeah you're terrific at so, explaining uh, movies yeah. by the way that's uh, great um, and so you know i definitely i played an emt in a movie bitten i've definitely got to play other characters and and different roles over the years um but i definitely feel that it always comes back a little bit to to the J slapsticky. I would say if I got offered to do uh, you know three movies in a year by studios, like you know two of them will be like, hey, do you want to play the stoner slapsticky funny guy? And one of them's like, hey, do you want to play the EMT? Um, <laughs> so I mean, don't don't get me wrong. The good, the cool thing is people have definitely given me opportunities because they they felt I could uh, pull off other stuff. But uh, I definitely think it's still you know somewhat there so you know it's it is what it is so i was telling my buddy about that in london i just tried a movie with him called devil's tower where again i got to play a different role but he was like you know what would you really want to do and i was like well i really want to direct but i also want to do like a, a american psycho hannibal lecter type character um, and we sort of went off that and we started bouncing ideas back and forth and it definitely didn't go as dark as uh, American Psycho or Hannibal Lecter but again an alternate universe of my real life uh, with some some crazy murder and such <laughs> so it's so weird ever since you said it's a Hamlet with like zombies I'm thinking you're like with a shotgun and you blow someone away I'm like poor York I knew him well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it why really did you have to get bit york <laughs> oh you have to see the um the the movie it was it was a lot of fun it's called zombie hamlet um uh, sally fields is in it oh from uh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah john john stamos is this out yet yeah yeah i think it came out on netflix or something you know um it, it was fun again i play like the the actor who comes in and wants to be play hamlet and i'm like to be or not to be that but but the the production so the in the movie that the production they're gonna make a hamlet movie um and we're in new orleans baton rouge actually um but they run out of money so they're like how can we make a cheap version of hamlet and so the the director in the movie in the movie decides let's do it as a zombie film oh. so it's pretty <laughs> awesome because yeah it's it was a lot of fun actually again oh God, that's we were like on this like old um plantation out in baton rouge and, and i had a blast john amos was amazing john amos 
Amos, not Stamos. John Amos. <laughs> I don't know if you know John Amos is from White like or the Black. Beastmaster, the Black. Big, big black, black. Yeah, one was black. on Good Times, one yeah, was not. Exactly. Yeah. Good Times. <laughs> yeah. That John Amos from Good Times. And Sally Fields from Cheers. Um, it, it was it was fun. It was good. So check it out if you get a chance. Zombie Amblin. I've noticed <laughs> that you guys are in a lot of independent features. You sort of kept that independent spirit alive or whatever. How is it like being on these sets? Is it like living in oblivion or is it, uh, is it fun? It depends. You know, I like doing independent films only because it's better writing. It's stories that I feel are darker more twisted, shit you would never get a chance to do. Plus, let's be honest, uh, I don't get cast in A-list films just in general because why pick me when you could pick whoever, <laughs> you know, who can actually bring in money. But <laughs> the, the filmmakers who want to work, who I like working with, the other thing too is you have a, usually a lot more input. Like mm. filmmakers, independent filmmakers will trust, I mean, they've brought you on board because they love what I've done, what we've done before, that they trust if we say, you know, well, maybe we should try it like this. They'll go, all right, well, yeah, let's, let's take a take on that and so yes are these films not really seen by wide uh, audiences probably not as wide as you know some Avengers movie but at the same time sometimes it's really great characters like there was a film we did a, a while ago in the, in the 2000 called Vulgar that was written directed and cast Brian Johnson if you know comic book men mm -hmm. and it's a really 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 dark drama and it was a role that's really disturbing at, at one point in the film Jay's in it Kevin's in it Walt's in it a whole bunch of us are in it but it's not seen by a lot of people from back then but now through word of mouth it has such a cult following and Jay, as a matter of fact um, Brian Johnson's thinking about writing a sequel to it it's those type of films with those type of characters that you won't A won't be screened in a you know, multiplex theater, but it's that type of film. Like, have you seen this vulgar film yet? Oh my God, it's sick and disturbing. And that's the kind of work I like doing. I like doing some work that's <laughs> seriously work that's challenging that you'll never see again. And it's characters that are, you know, people enjoy. That's sort of the, the great thing about Netflix and Amazon prime and all these things that have been coming out lately is a lot of this stuff is available. Whereas mm. before you would have to look, look far and wide for something like that. Right. And, and movies have become cheaper to make the equipment to rent the crew to get, things like that it's becoming cheaper and cheaper to make the problem is getting people to see it and that's the thing is the distribution model has been such an influx in the past seven years like p do you release it through Netflix do you release it through Hulu do you do an exclusive for Amazon because now Amazon's turning out to be the person with the most money to produce stuff for you but once again you're you're making people sit at home and watch it on a TV rather than on a screen with groups of other people Right. I always get curious when something has become such a part of the, the cultural landscape like Clerks has. Like in those moments, if you go back in time, like when did it click? That's always the question. Like when did you know something really special was going on with that universe, with Clerks, those kind of things? Like do you remember those moments when it was like, oh, this is something special? It was weird when we went to Sundance in 94 to sell the film, and I was only there for the last, the, the festival's 10 days, I w could only afford to be out there for the, for the last five, and having people like, you know, Kennedy at the time who was still with MTV, like, you know, uh, people from MTV want to interview you about this movie, I'm like, what, what? And uh, <laughs> CNN would always, this was when the beginning of CNN would have actual live coverage from Sundance and stuff. Mm. So when it was that, I was like, this is weird, and people asking for autographs, I'm like, hey, you're in that convenience 
movie. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. That was the weird part of it. And then even when we went worked on Mallrats, and the crew would come up like, holy shit, dude, I loved you in the original Clerks and stuff like that. And it was just kind of weird that you know. But knowing that Clerks was special was just, I guess, when we finally had the premiere of it in Jersey with all these people that came out for it. It was huh. kind of cool. Did you guys think that that movie was even going to get released at one point? I mean, I mean, I definitely didn't. I went back to work and I was roofing at the time, and uh, and so I just shingles on a on a roof, <laughs> not <laughs> not drugging young women. Just want to make it clear. In there. Yeah. <laughs> is there? Um, what is the other? What is it? Roofing. Well, when you roofie someone, you're dropping a. Oh, pill roofie! And a, I said roofing. <laughs> I know, but <laughs> roofing would be the action of roofying. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Right. So, I just so yeah. Sure. So <laughs> never thought about it that way. <laughs> so yeah. So I went back to work, and uh, yeah, I didn't think anything about it. I mean, I, even like. Um, you know, it's like we got to watch the movie when it was all uh, finished in RST Video, the video store in the movie. We watched it <laughs> on this small little monitor on the Avid. And I really thought that was Steam it. Steamback, not yeah, even an Adam, not even a computer. Yeah, it was just Steam the Avid. It is <laughs> called Steamback. <laughs> yeah, with the scotch tape, with the razor, you cut it and you scotch tape it. But we watched it and uh, and that was it. I was like, wow, we this is the movie's you know it's done and it's edited together and it's really cool how it turned out and it wasn't till you know and after even it got sold there was a party and kevin uh you know said oh it's going to be on a few screens and stuff and i just remember being like oh cool a few artsy uh theaters like a couple people will see it um it really wasn't until after mall and then we started shooting mall rats um and that was super exciting because it was studio film and everything but even after that, I went back to work, and but I went back to del- I started delivering pizza. Um, after Mallrats, I did. After Mallrats, I delivered wow. pizza for a while, um, and so again, it really for me, it wasn't until after Mallrats came out and was out for a little bit and came out on DVD that people started being like, "Hey, you're from that movie," and and stuff. So I didn't, uh, you know, it, it it took a while before people started catching on and talking about Jam Bob and Clerks and Jam Bob. In Mallrats, as you see, we're not on the poster even. Like, you know, it's like people didn't even, uh, the studio was just like, oh, who cares? Kevin Smith's on the cover as the director. Um, and then the four main, it's called Clerks, so we want the clerks on the front. Um, so I didn't think anything about it until, uh, like Bryce said, like after Mallrats, we went to a couple comic conventions. Um, people started asking uh, for autographs and pictures and stuff, and they're like, hey, you're that guy. Um, and then I delivered a few pizzas to some houses where someone like opened the door and they're like, wait a second, weren't you in a movie called Mallrats? Um, you That's twenty four ninety five, sir. <laughs> and here's a $2 tip. Hit the road, son. But it's funny because no, really though, in my small town, it's like after I did Mallrats, people would answer the door and, and it happened maybe twice. But those people literally were like... Oh well, here you go. This three dollars is good enough because you probably got tons of money. <laughs> like they really, people think you make like one movie, two movies. That they're like, I'd go back home. I'd go went back to L.A. I mean, we were in Minnesota, sorry. And then we went back. I came back home, and I was like, Yeah, we shot the movie. It's coming out. People are like, How many houses do you own? How many cars do you have? And I'm like. No, <laughs> I'm going to go deliver pizza now. Thank you. Like people don't realize after, you know, first movie, I think Kevin gave, I don't remember what it was, but um, I, I don't know. It just, it's, it's interesting because then there was Chasing Amy. 
um, and then dogma. It's like you, people don't realize that you get paid like scale. There's a union scale, and then there's taxes um, and all that. So really, like after like doing three movies, I cleared probably about ten grand. Um, you know, so it's it's not like I was buying many houses and cars <laughs> with it. So. <laughs> Unless they were Lego houses and cars. Yes, oh, yes. Yeah, 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 man. Oh, I'm like, I got mm-hmm. six Lego ships, motherfucker. <laughs> okay, I want to hijack the session just to ask Jay a question. 12 inches. No one will care. <laughs> there you go. No one will care but me, but I'm one of the hosts of the show. So back when The Matrix Reloaded came out, I was managing a movie theater. Okay. And I had this arrangement with a local video game store where... Sometimes he would give me free video games and I would let his people come watch a movie for free. Awesome. And this guy was like, hey, like that. Um, my friend knows Jason Muse from Clerks. Can we bring him? And I'm like, sure, what the hell? Yeah. And you never showed. Um, <laughs> so my question whoa, is- Whoa, whoa, whoa. First of all, how do you know the dude wasn't lying? No, that's my point. That's my point. Is does it, do, you, do you think you ever had a friend in Tennessee who owned a video game store? Yes, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Case closed. No, well, let me explain. It's interesting. I, I don't want to say a friend, an acquaintance probably, <laughs> because many years ago, and actually there's a vendor here who owns a uh, toy store, um, sorry, comic book shop, um, and I ran into him and, and he reminded me, um, not that I forgot I was here, but I, he reminded you me. You never that showed up to the video game party, you <laughs> fuck! No, I did, a, I did a signing one day at a comic book sh- uh, store here many, like 15 years ago. Um, but I was out here to shoot a movie. Um, it fell through. And I, had, I was really strung out on drugs, uh, oxys and crack and cocaine and such. Um, and we had no money to get back home to New Jersey. Wow. And we had driven a car here. Um, but the car, our friend had, uh, it snowed and I guess it doesn't happen often here. No. And the guy borrowed the car and crashed the car and we needed a thousand bucks to get the car fixed and we didn't have it. Um, and of course we started like calling friends and stuff and any money that came in, I was like, oh yeah, they only gave us like 50 bucks for the car and the other hundred I was buying drugs. With. <laughs> Point is I spent about five weeks here going to strip clubs, oh, doing lots of drugs going to video game stores and places and hanging out with people because they'd be like, hey, man, come to this movie theater and watch a movie and we'll buy you a meal at Waffle House. And I'd be like, <laughs> sure, because again, I hadn't, we were, it was bad, it was bad. But I did Were you sign- stripping at the strip clubs? What do you mean you no, went no, to strip clubs? I would go to strip clubs, seriously, because I'd meet people and they'd ask me to come to the strip club. Want to hang out at the strip club, man? I'll buy a couple beers. Oh, okay. Oh, and then and we'll do a little coke. Okay, cool. Uh, and then they'd be like, and there's a free buffet. So I'd eat was it off like a hooker's back no no i i was i don't i don't know if anything fun like that happened i just honestly it was a blur and there's no joke so i'm I'm not even kidding you it probably was possible that i hung out with this person uh maybe a couple times and i really was maybe going to go to the movie theater but then it was like movies or crack cocaine so it was a bad time so i believe we'll have to stamp that one plausible yeah Uh, no (laughs) honestly honestly again there's a story that i I, i've heard i think i believe it was on the uh uh, jay and silent bob get old that kevin smith was talking about that he was worried that you would not be able to get through dogma right is that was the was that the movie that he was worried about but then you showed up and <laughs> well, there's probably a few. Mo- yeah, yeah, dog. Well, I mean, there was definitely a f- few movies where towards uh, 
I would say from um, from yeah, Dogma and then Jam Bob. Both times I, I had to get sober beforehand. But with Dogma, I, in the middle, I started using again. Um, but of course, I didn't think anyone knew, but he probably knew. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and I still did well, though. I memorized the whole script um, because I was so worried about Alan Rickman and Kevin tells a story. Um, and also, but I had to sit with, so because Kevin wanted me to get sober beforehand, he was like, if you want to do this movie, you have to stick with me. Um, you got to live with me and you can't leave my side. And I literally had to go wherever he went. If he wanted to go to the food store and go food shopping, I had to go with him. He came out, of course, for pre-production for Dogma, um, which normally, like, if you're acting or whatever, you don't have to go out that early. You come, like, a week before shooting, maybe for rehearsals, wardrobe, and all that stuff. But I came out, like, two months earlier with Kevin and I had to sit in a hotel while he was in meetings and such. So all I would do is read the script over and over again because he's like, don't mess this up. Alan Rickman's in here and he's a serious actor. And I remember I got really nervous um, about working with Alan and like messing up my dialogue and all that. And so I literally read the script like every day for like two months um, because again, I was sober at this point. Um, and so, and I didn't have anything to do, but I literally memorized almost the whole script. So, and then in the middle, I met some girl and we started dating. And of course, uh, about a week after hanging out with her, she's like, I got to stop in my friends for a minute to grab something. And when I went in, I, like he handed her some Coke and then I, I was like, oh wow, you do Coke? She's like, yeah, he has heroin and oxys and this. And I was like, uh-oh. And then, yeah, it was, it was all downhill from there but not really for the movie i actually would make make it but um there's some you know bad situations um kevin got really mad at me again it's funny now to talk about and and we've talked about it um on our podcast and and from his perspective it's much funnier but he says he remembers like sitting there as director watching chris rocks um you know acting in his delivery and stuff because the camera was on chris and whenever you're doing a scene you know whoever you're doing the the scene with you you still stay there for off camera so i was reading off camera dialogue it was me linda chris and kevin at movies and chris was had a uh, single you know uh shot on him and he was delivering his dialogue and we were all doing our off camera but he had like a sort of a little bit of a monologue and he was talking to linda so there was a about a two minute break in there where i didn't have anything to say and i was like watching him and i i was really messed up on heroin at this point and i was like this oh no <laughs> and all of a sudden chris started laughing and kevin as the director was like why, why, why are you laughing at this part it's serious and he like looked over he's chris looked over at me and went like that like look at him kevin looked at me and he was so pissed off at me he's like mm. dude you can't it's not professional like chris rocks like came here and um you know he's a professional he can't be like falling asleep while he's doing um so you know again at that point wasn't good a good thing but now you know it's 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 I can laugh about telling those stories now. Um, and again, it's better from his perspective because he was actually there to witness it where I was there to witness it, but I wasn't witnessing it because I was like nodding out. So, <laughs> um, but again, we, yeah, it was, it was a pretty tough time, uh, the, during that movie and stuff. So, uh, all right. So Brian, you're in the new movie that Jay's directing, but what else have you got coming up that we can hear about? 
Um, there's a movie that just uh, got released uh, last month called Bad Frank with uh, Tom Sizemore. It's a very, very fucking violent mob movie. Um, so I play a middle-level mob uh, gang member. And um, it's uh, that's out now on... Um, iTunes and Amazon. Uh, there's a TV show called Fireball Run. Uh, it's a uh, road rally, a uh, reality show, road race. Uh, they're on season 10 that's airing right now on Amazon Prime. Uh, I leave at the end of the month to go up to the upper Midwest to shoot season 11. It's 2,000 miles over eight days. There's 40 teams. It's pretty cool. Um, and then- so uh, Wait, you're gonna, wait, wait, wait. What are you doing that? You have to run? No, drive. It's drive. It's an auto race. <laughs> oh, it's an <laughs> auto race. No, 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 Holy no. shit, bro. Yeah, yeah. So wait, you're I can run to those miles. So wait, you're I'm gonna, not Ethiopian, <laughs> sir. So wait, sorry, you're gonna go and you're gonna be in the show for season eleven where you have to race these people over miles two, two thousand uh, miles in eight days, yeah. In eight days. And they give you it's kinda like the amazing race where they give you tasks on the way and you get to visit like famous kind of locate you gotta figure out these riddles to get to famous locations and, and see incredible oh, things. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, it's so, a cannonball run almost. Correct. Yeah. It's exactly it. It's called fireball run. So uh, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Dude. Yeah, so it's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm traveling with the uh, the Queen of Versailles group, which is the woman who her and her husband's building the uh, largest yeah, residence. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm part of her team. Um so that's that's going on. Uh, what else? Um, I'll be doing uh, Wizard World Austin, and we'll both be at Austin and, and Oklahoma City. And then uh, two other scripts that I'm in talks with right now. We should start shooting in November. Um, and I'll be in England at the Isle of Wight Con uh, the middle of November. Damn. Oh, you are going to be all over the world. The Isle right. of Wight. Uh, there is a movie that's out now or that's coming out soon, and it's about the making of Clerks. It's called Shooting Clerks. It's, it's nice. a biopic about Kevin. Uh, so uh, there's peop there's other actors from the great acting land of Scotland who put this on, <laughs> yeah. which was great for them to not have the Scottish accent and yet perform Jersey accents. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the cat who Chris Bain who plays uh, Muse does an incredible job. There's other uh, quite a few people. Uh, Chris Downey is the writer director. He also stars in it as well. It's it's a really great movie about how Kevin got together with his friends to make uh, the original Clerks. So look for that. It's called Shooting Clerks. Uh, it's been going to a lot of the film festivals and some of the comic cons actually it's been had screenings at but they're still finishing it up before they lock down on picture and then get ready for distribution mm -hmm. um i got a question about both clerks movies does does dante hicks do anything in those movies like <laughs> he doesn't do one task i do he? rosario dawson <laughs> 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 there you go Ew, i mean well hideous love child that is that that's awesome there's a scene where you're watching her dance and the camera zooming in on you while you watch her dance and i'm like that's me every time I see Rosario Dawson. <laughs> funny, uh, <laughs> funny behind the scenes uh, point to that. So the camera's on me for that and to, you know, as he said, you're supposed to be off camera so that you can d deliver lines. Now she's just dancing. But they literally had me at an angle looking almost straight into the sun. Like everybody who got blinded by the eclipse bullshit. Now it was, <laughs> now it's me and I'm like, can we have a scrim something? And they kind of had a scrim but then the, the one script supervisor, here's a trick. Close your eyes, look up at the sun and then when you open your eyes, the pain of the sun wasn't hit you. I'm like, that's called deadening of the nerves. That's what you're, it's not so much I'm feeling less pain. I've just killed the nerves. So there's just so you know that, that that look of love that you think that Dante has, it's me screaming in my head, ow, my eyes. Ow, my eyes. Like, why couldn't we just face the whole scene where I'm looking not at the sun? That was like what I was thinking about. You know, in the first one, it's like, yeah, we get it. You're not supposed to be there today and all that. We, you get away with all the stuff that you do in the first one. The second 
one, I guess it's just your last day or something, but well, no, like, it's not so much the last day as much as just like, you know, he's gotten all this shit that's happening to him yet again. Mm-hmm. And uh, now he finds out just before he's about to leave for Florida, which thank God he didn't because well, <laughs> he'd be fucked this coming yeah. weekend. Anyway, um, <laughs> it what too soon. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> So, so um, knowing that this is what's happening, and he finds out that his his uh, love interest is uh, pregnant, it, right. it's, a, it's a life changing thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I will say, um, I guess before we go or whatever on this, but uh, but uh, you know, going back to Jay and Silent Bob, I mean, you were just talking about all the stuff, the struggles that you went through and everything, but like that movie feels like a miracle to me in itself, just that it got made because it's it's basically trading off of this cult kind of uh it's on this cult popularity and everything you are the lead of that movie Mm -hmm. i mean you carry that whole movie which i mean even for miramax and miramax back in 2001 wasn't exactly like a super independent studio back then but i I think you're great in that in jay and silent bob strike back you just basically carry that whole movie and it's uh it, it wouldn't work without you thank you so it's uh it's really good. What are you, you get I'm actually really pumped about the new one, the reboot. Um, yeah, me too. I, I mean, can't I, wait the to hear script's more. great. It's uh, super clever and uh, a lot of fun. So yeah, hopefully uh, all goes and stays uh, on plan, and we start hopefully shooting the end of November. That's well, that's the plan. That's what Kevin would like to do. So. Is Will Ferrell too big to get him back? No, I mean I hope not. Okay, I mean good. I feel like Kevin's definitely reached out to a bunch of people from the first one. Um, and most of them have responded with that they're totally in because again, awesome. a lot of the um, people that that are going to be in it from the old one would just be in it uh, like you know it would be like a day's work right. or, or something like that. So awesome! I awesome. hope it sends up that reboot stuff completely, like <laughs> completely, <laughs> like you know. It's per- it's fun. It's again, it's Kevin making fun of reboots, and, and like it's Jay and Bob making fun of reboots, and and it's done in a really clever fun way it's it's uh i'm excited about it honestly so um again i hope hope we get to do it one thing i wanted to mention uh listen to a lot of the jay and silent bob get old uh podcasts and we're a movie podcast but we talk a lot about mental health issues my background's in mental health and your honesty and forthcoming dialogue about your recovery is fantastic and it's really great hope you keep on doing it I really appreciate it. Thank you. I think it helps a lot of people. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Okay, uh, so uh, thanks a lot, guys, for coming I think we're going to let you guys go now. Thank you. But Um, please give a warm welcome to these two. Goodbye. Thank you. Welcome and goodbye. Thanks for coming out. Everybody, Uh, remember, uh, Jay will be performing at Tacoma Comedy Club on Thursday, September 14th at 8 p.m. and Friday the 15th at 8 p.m. and 10 p.m. and at the Spokane. I'm going to decide on Spokane. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. The Spokane Comedy Club on September 16th at 8 p.m. and 10 p.m. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, guys. So today we're gonna we're we're at Wizard World. We're at Wizard World in Nashville, Tennessee, That's our right. hometown. That's Nashville, right, Tennessee. There are still seats available. <laughs> That's <if you're> right. <laughs> <listening>. <laughs> on we Monday, are, we are obviously not popular. Um, <laughs> Can you hear no, us in the back? Can you hear uh, us in the back? <laughs> But uh, today we're going to be talking about nerds. Nerds. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be talking about movie nerds. Good ones, not bad ones. Yes, absolutely. Um, like not the 1980s Revenge of the Nerds, like law-breaking. No, no. Yeah, nerds. actually, yeah. I was, I was actually, when we came up with this topic, I was like, can we include? No, we can't nope. include them. Nope. The, the the laws that they break uh, just uh, <laughs> get them away. You can't you can't include them. Uh, but. 
Uh, so uh, who wants to kick us off on movie nerds? How about our guest, Aaron Dicer, who Let's we haven't even uh, acknowledged yet. Aaron oh, Dicer right. from How are you? He was introduced. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. My cool. name was said. That's enough. Dick. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my understanding is we're talking about like lovable nerds in movies and that kind yeah. of stuff. I, I have to go straight to uh, uh, Anthony Michael Hall seems like nerd yeah, prime. Perfect. Like, you know, that series <laughs> of movies he was in playing that nerd character. Especially with, Weird Science. Yeah, Weird Science and, of course, The Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I just, you know, you, can, you at least have to tip the cap. He's to able him. to create Kelly LeBrock by <laughs> typing stuff into a computer. Right? That is genius. <laughs> it's amazing. Yes. Yeah. Doesn't the other guy do most of the work, though? Probably. I mean, they're yeah. both nerds. Let's not, you yeah. know, draw unnecessary I mean, lines. But. I just think it's uh, exciting that they can just just type. They had three D printing technology way back then in the eighties, where they could just, you know, get a lightning bolt or whatever, and get a Kelly <laughs> Kelly LeBrock just comes out of your printer. I just it's remember amazing. there was a shower at some point. That's in weird there was science. a shower. Yeah, there was indeed. It's hard to miss. That. And a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. There was. Um, I, That's a good one, though. Yeah, it's a very good one. The first one I thought of was uh, Justin Long and Galaxy Quest. Yeah, yes. it's a good one. Um, yeah, Justin. Justin Long is pretty good at playing lovable nerds in general, um, and I one time breathed the same air as him. Ooh. Yes. Yes. How That's special am I? If you guys want to touch my shirt later. How mm-hmm. close do you have to be to someone to breathe the same air? Like, uh, technically, aren't we all breathing the, the oh, same Lord, air? Like, I'm just... I don't think we need to break it down. No, I like, just wanted, you know. I was, probably, uh, I was probably 10 feet from him. Okay, there you go. So, you know. I had some of his carbon dioxide in my oxygen. You got a little carbon, carbon dioxide yes. in we my oxygen. We exchanged a lot more than oxygen that you night. You got your oxygen in my carbon dioxide. <laughs> so in Galaxy Quest, he's just. Well, the reason I love his character so much is that he's just. He's exactly what a Star Trek nerd should be in the sense that he's so pure in his love of the property that even though he drives. Tim Allen crazy when he's like asking him that question early on about the technical details of he still just drops all that immediately when he finds out it's real and that mm-hmm. he can help because he's got the blueprints down below for the chompers or what have yeah. you uh, and the way he's racing you know those circumstances in a galaxy far away and still fighting off his mom telling him to take out the trash and um, I just I love that movie so much, but that was the very first movie nerd that came to my I, mind. I love the idea in Galaxy Quest that the the person who's in love with the show has more knowledge than the person who's on the show, <laughs> which is yeah. which is true. Yeah, it's totally true. Well, and I always felt like that movie was playing off that SNL sketch from I think it was the seventies, might have been the eighties, when Shatner was the host, and there's like a Star Trek convention, yeah. and somebody asks a super specific question, <laughs> and he's like, "Get out of your parents' basement! It's just a show." <laughs> um, so I think that was sort of uh, uh, the point that they were kind of parroting there a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, but yeah, if you haven't seen Galaxy Quest, I would I'd just leave right now and go watch. Yeah, <laughs> I would well. not be offended because yeah. there's no better way to spend an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> And I think you're absolutely right. I think it's that the, the love is there in that character. And I think that's what some movies get wrong about nerds is it's yep. all they think it's all about the intellectual stuff, which is part of it. But it's the love for the material that comes through that character that I think makes it so, you know, beautiful. You can, and you all, you can almost buy that. He probably was a Trekkie somewhere. Right. Yeah. Life yeah. In real life <laughs> yeah. And just tapped into that. Yeah. When I was thinking about nerds, I don't know how you guys made it through high school, but if you're isolated in high school in particular, uh, you kind of develop with your friends, your close friends, like a, your own lexicon, right? Like your own way of communicating. And uh, somebody outside of that circle is completely foreign. They don't know what the hell you're saying. And I think 
a good example of that is uh, Evan and Seth and Superbad. Oh, yeah. Because while they're not traditionally like nerds, nerds, they're on the fringe of their society. They don't really do anything. They don't really play any sports except for, you know, uh, Michael Sarah kicking the, the soccer ball around for a second. But <laughs> I think that's in PE. Uh, but they don't they don't do anything. They're just inclusive. They're, as soon as they get invited to a party, they're freaking out. You know, they don't smoke weed. They don't get drunk. So the fact that they go full circle, they go through all these, these shenanigans, get back to the party and everything, and then they end up in that wonderful sleeping bag scene where they're professing their love for each other. Um, all of this craziness has happened, but they come back to their own dialogue, their own way of speaking to each other, and that's really cool to me. Of course, you have the, the real the real nerd in that is the Christopher Mintz plus yeah, character. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That. yeah. You know, I mean, but of he's course, kind of part of their crew. He, obviously, yeah, yeah, he is. I mean, and of course, he he does some more. He does some. That's basically his role yeah. in these movies, Christopher Mintz plus. But he's also in role models where he plays. Oh the, yeah, Larper. Uh, you know the the Larper <laughs> and everything, and he's. So, I mean, I think every one of these characters has that sort of the you know characteristic. They they have a love of the thing that they do and and it really shows in the movie like there it's really good acting yeah for, it's for genuine all, yeah yeah um, i mean you're not going to believe some some kid is this into larping if it's his first time like even experiencing that you know it seems like this dude's been in that world, in that universe, and uh, that's what makes it authentic. I think. Yeah, a lot of these. Uh, I mean, so all the nerds that we've we've talked about are are you know kids going through high school and all that and everything. How about the nerds that grew up? The <laughs> nerds that grew up are the ones in Quiz Show. Oh, oh. yeah. Uh, Ray Fiennes plays Char- uh, Charles Van Doren, and uh, her, uh, John Turturro plays Herbert Stemple. And uh, Rob Morrow plays Dick Goodwin. He, they're all nerds, yeah. and they, there's a there's it's a true. there's a point where uh, there's a point where Ray Fiennes talks to Rob Morrow on a boat, and they're like, you know, being smart was like being cross-eyed and all that, and they they, they went through all that, but now they're the successful people. Yeah, and uh, but the the great contrast of all that is they're successful people, and then they they sort of prostituted it for money, except for Dick Goodwin, who's going after them and everything, but. Um, but you see these guys, Charles Van Doren and Herb Stemple, they're smart people, but mm-hmm. they're, they, they're cheating on a quiz show <laughs> and it's just a, sort of a fall from grace for them, uh, during, during the movie and everything. It's really interesting to watch that, that dynamic there. Cause these are, these are guys who were looked down on and now they've like gotten that celebrity status. Yeah. So, yeah. and it does speak to them. I have an unnatural love for quiz show. It's like yeah, in my I top think, 10 movies I of all time. I think a lot, all of us do. <laughs> uh, it, in Torturo in that speaks to something in that geekdom, nerddom in us that, you know, just wants to be, the, has to be the best, has to know all the facts, has to know all, you know, all the stuff and the lengths that we're willing to go, you know, to, to prove that knowledge or whatever. And he, I love the scene where he doesn't even realize he's incriminating himself. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's because he's so amped to make sure everybody knows this other person doesn't know the stuff that they're talking about. Well, that, and he's more upset that they're making him take a dive right. on a question he knows the answer to right. yes, than exactly. he is that they're making him take a dive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I know this one. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love that movie. Yeah. That movie so good. Yeah. Uh, another adult nerd I like is Donald Logue in Sneakers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, just, let's just hit all the Syncast favorite movies yeah, in this conversation. <laughs> Might as well. No one has ever loved math like this motherfucker loves math. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> trying to keep the language down. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, Logan. Um, I mean, sorry, Jason. Uh, <laughs> I mean, when he's... Uh, first of all, his energy when he's giving his big talk that they go and listen to is 
crazy. Yeah. Like he talks about math the way I would talk about Batman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then it cuts from there right to like some reception and he's like holding court at like the cocktail bar or whatever and he's just like still spouting off all the it sounds like he's romantic about mm-hmm. math. Yeah. And I just I, I've always loved that about him because I feel like the movie isn't making him a villain. He's created something that can be used for a lot of evil by governments, and that's why it's trying to be stolen, but I don't know that he created it for that. I think he created it because it was a math solution, and and to him, that's poetry. He is kind of stupid for going out and saying all this stuff in front of a whole bunch of people, (laughs) and like like people aren't going to be able to figure out he's already figured out the problem and everything, you know? He's really dumb for doing that, but... Uh, but you're right, because when he's doing that uh, that that little th- that thing in front of all the people and everything, he's just like, no one has been able to find out these projections yet. Yet, yet. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's like it's, it's like he's trying to you know he's like reading you know Joyce or something yeah. when he's like going through all. Well, that. and the whole crew are a bunch of nerds, except for probably Crease uh, Sydney Porty. Um, they're all nerds. Mother's a nerd. Whistler's a nerd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I love how the movie shows there are different kinds of intelligence, right? Because uh, Redford's character is clearly smart. He couldn't have avoided detection from the government for this long, been in surveillance, started his own business, but he's too dumb to understand the math and has to take Liz with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I love the way the movie's you know nerd intelligence complements each other. You get all the fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Why does Hollywood like math nerds so much? Like uh, Beautiful Mind and yeah. uh, Stellan Skarsgård. Good Will Hunting. Good yeah. Will Hunting. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what came to mind with me, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's because it's something... <laughs> it's something hard. No, yeah, it's something you can put on screen and not expect the audience to follow, mm. but expect them to believe. So you, you can't... Like, especially... I mean, obviously, this crew knows about looking at mistakes in movies, right? Uh, but nope, if you look no, at... Bip, nope. <laughs> if you look at a math equation, you're not immediately go, hey, wait a second. That doesn't balance out on both sides of the equal sign. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it how you grow yeah, just look, you know, so I think there is something where it's a, it's an easy way to go, okay, this this person is super intelligent where we aren't able to go, no, they're not. So <laughs> Right. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah. I think if they're writing it on a window, then everything's cool. Yeah. 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 How about them apples? How mm-hmm. about them apples? Uh, if we're going to stay on adult nerds, mm-hmm. I have to bring up Rick Moranis, yeah. uh, who, uh, you know, obviously loving Ghostbusters, great nerd character there, but I go back to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah. I love... Wayne Selinski. Man, come uh, on. Come on. He is a terrible dad. <laughs> no, <laughs> screw that guy. Awful Man, father. I watched, first of all, this is... No, no. This Great is a terrible... No, model. Aaron, no. This okay. is a terrible movie. I just watched this recently with my yeah. kid. God, man. Come on. Yeah. The, everything about this movie is in insulting. That, that, I think there's something in me that just loves like the, the magnificent inventions, you know? And, yeah. and when that movie came out, I don't think we were, you know, now obviously we have superheroes who do all these cool stuff. You know, you've got <laughs> Ant-Man who's doing the shrinking thing, right? right? Back then it was like, oh, to live in this world where, you know, uh, an Oreo is, you know, bigger than me or, you know, an ant is going to be a killer monster. <laughs> There's no or, rules for that backyard, though, man, because they're like all like. I don't need rules. I just need a giant <laughs> they're Oreo. They're carefully so. stepping around it. And then they're running their asses out in the backyard, you, like trampling know, everything. You know what, Barrett, though? This, yes. is, this is best nerd, not dad. All right. He can be, he can be a great nerd <laughs> right. and a terrible dad. That's I mean, haven't you ever wanted to use a Cheerio for a floaty? I mean, that's just that's amazing. Yeah, I guess. Mm. That whole romance thing is a little creepy, too. I, I, screw that movie, man. Mm. Okay. I, don't like I never movie. once okay. looked at my cereal and went, I wish I could be in that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have very different dreams, Jeremy. <laughs> very different dreams. I've got an all-time nerd, man. Mm. And uh, it's it's 
tailing off of your Ghostbusters thing. Egon Spangler. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the nerdiest nerd in a group of nerds. Yeah, no, you're right. Because you got you got Dan Aykroyd, you got Peter Venkman is basically a nerd. Um, you know, everybody, maybe not Winston, but everybody else is a nerd in that. But he's super nerd. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah. That is a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't cross the streams. <laughs> I love. We were just talking about this, by the way. Wasn't that because uh, they when they say like they, they get in the ballroom and he's like, "Don't look at the trap. Don't look at the trap." And yeah. then uh, who is it? Uh, it's Egon that says, mm-hmm. oh, "Look at the trap, Ray," and nothing happens to him. It's like looking <laughs> at the sun. Nothing happens to him. By the way, that's the reason why I feel like the original Ghostbusters is better than the remake. So because. They they make those guys nerds. Yeah, you know those guys are smart about what they do, and we know that in the remake of Ghostbusters, these women are smart, but they're not nerds. It doesn't really. show There's them a, smarting. Kate McKinnon's the closest to it, mm-hmm. you know. So um, yeah. That's the reason why I think there's a stark contrast in where they derive their comedy not in those be- movies. It's not bad because it's female. It's right. bad because it's bad. Right. Yeah. Well, if you had made those male characters the same way, they would have been so all So I'll tell yeah. you right now, the Lord of the Flies all-female thing is bad because it's female. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go on the record because that story is not – that. oh, God. <laughs> Because well, it's really about testosterone. Because the whole point of the story is about it's about masculinity. It's, yeah, it's about yeah. Just go make your own original chicks get stranded movie. Jesus, I've seen that movie on I've, Cinemax. I was gonna say there's, <laughs> there's probably one too many. Well, don't think they're not gonna make this all titillating and everything too. <laughs> Ripped cargo shorts and coconut bras. And <laughs> Wasn't that in the first one? <laughs> yes. I don't know. All right, let's rescue this a little uh, bit. Uh, let's let's actually go with like awesome female nerds that are mm-hmm. in movies, uh, and I'll bring Hermione up right away. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Her- She's kind of sass though. I don't like her talk back. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think she's the glue of that whole crew. Like mm-hmm. I, I really she definitely is. I feel like Hermione is the one that that really makes that trio work. If and it, I think a lot yeah. of it's because of her nerd. A it's lot of it's not for her. Those guys wouldn't do shit. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they, they would. They would. They, yeah, exactly. All dead is right. Correct. Um, but yeah, you're right. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, they need her for sure. And I'm, I, I think Jeremy and I are both on the record as to why isn't she the main, the main hero of the story? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like why isn't she the one that's like conjuring the spells and just killing Voldemort? Right, yeah, yeah. Like I've, I read this old ancient text. All we have to do is say the words and he's dead. <laughs> you know? Um, uh, there's another adult nerd that I love, and it's Judah Friedlander playing Toby Rattleoff in American Splendor. Oh, nice! He is he he is dead on to what that guy actually sounds like in real life. And I don't know if a lot of people in this room have seen American Splendor. You should go and watch yes. it. Yes. Uh, I didn't even know that was Judah Friedlander for the longest time because yeah. he wasn't famous by when this movie came out, but. Uh, I, I just found out afterwards, after I'd seen him in 30 Rock and all this other stuff. Um, but he's so good in it. And I love his little breakdown of going to see Revenge of the Nerds and everything. <laughs> you know, he's like, he's like, they're finally going to come out with a movie where the, where the people who are spit upon are, are, <laughs> are getting back at everybody, you know, and all that. Um, but he has that big, huge breakdown of Revenge of the Nerds. And he's like, yeah, man, this is an empowering movie for all of us, you know. Um, uh, just his performance in that is great. And just every time he shows up, he's he's got this, you know, just this weird way about him where he's mm-hmm. you know uh he's like the where harvey 
Picard, uh, uh, Paul Giamatti comes up to him in his car and he's like, hey, hey. And he's like, no, you cannot have my White Kessel hamburgers. <laughs> you know, he's like, he didn't even ask. You know, stuff like that. He's like, and he's like, well, can I at least have a fry or something? He's like, okay, you can have two. You know, God. that type of thing. The so. research that they did in that movie, because Giamatti sounds exactly like Harvey Picard. Oh, yeah. I mean, Harvey Picard has a very distinguishable voice. Uh, if you ever watch any of the, like, the late show clips or that kind of thing. Um, and they, he just nails it. And mm-hmm. uh, Judah Friendlander does the same thing. It's awesome. That's a good movie. Yeah. I got to go. I got to give Mark Watney some love from The Martian. Oh. <laughs> and even in the book, I think he's even nerdier than he is in the movie because he makes all these math references. Uh, one of the first times a book has made me laugh out loud in a long time and was that book because he'll say something like, oh, I can't do this because Pythagoras is a dick. <laughs> uh, and he just, he's, when it comes to botany and science and space and math, he's just an, he's an uber nerd. Um, and honestly, it's the only reason he survives uh, is because of that stuff. Um, and that's why he's giving that speech at the very end. Might as well be called a be a nerd speech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically, like, if you want to survive, you have to solve all kinds of problems, and it's going to take a lot of work. All the people on that mission are amazing nerds. Yeah, yeah I was, yeah. was mm-hmm. going to say, mm-hmm. and not, not to contradict you, because you're absolutely right, but I think the nerd character in that movie is probably Donald Glover's character. Like, yeah. Certainly. He's, certainly. He's the one that's kind of pointed to, you know, there's the social awkwardness and yeah. that kind of stuff, So, um, which is another, you know, great You should hang character. up the phone right now. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I know how to save Mark Watney. I love that movie. I'm going to watch a little bit of it later when I get home. Nice. <laughs> I'm not even joking. It'll like, be on. Everybody's reaction to him when he's using like the pencil to show you know the the things or whatever, and yeah. he's just pulling things. That's just that's a great scene. It is a great scene, but it's very much like Interstellar when he's explaining basic interplanetary travel to the head of NASA. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and to like all these people who know 10 times more than he does, but because the audience needs a visual about right. what a flyby around Earth would be or right. a slingshot, the movie gives it's just like Interstellar where they bend the paper to explain to Matthew McConaughey how relativity works and I'm like he knows that. He's not <laughs> stupid. He's a freaking engineer. Uh who we got more nerds? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um what about data from Goonies? You know, oh. when I was reading your response, uh-huh. and I saw data, and I, I immediately went to Star Trek. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But yeah. you're right; he's great in Goonies, and and again, it's ooh, the inventor ooh. thing for me. I just I love somebody who like has crazy inventions. Well, and, and he they end up being useful, even though right. most of them are in- incredibly Does stupid. Data from Star Trek qualify as a nerd? That's another good question. Well, I don't know if an android could qualify you as think? a nerd. Can? Mm. No, uh, he certainly can. Yeah, you've yeah. got nerdy androids, He'd probably and you've got. You got David from Prometheus. <laughs> Prometheus? <laughs> <laughs> well, and Data has a cat, and he's mm. like... Well, that's an automatic nerd, uh, then. Yeah, he's got absolutely. a cat. Absolutely. I mean, I'm saying... Anyway, Goonies. Yeah, You're talking... Yeah, anyway, Goonies. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoy that character in Goonies, and I, I love... Uh, I, I think a lot of times movies today use the comedic sidekick as just its its own separate almost you know archetype instead of understanding how that character works in a whole team situation that's not true of every movie but that's one of the things i loved about goonies is you really got a sense of the community of those guys mm-hmm. and data was a part of that he was an archetype he was you know that but it all had to do with how they related and and how and like you said how the you know plot works out and and that kind of thing it just wasn't a geek or nerd for nerd's sake you know mm-hmm. it was part of the whole thing yeah I've got a little bit of a cheat, because uh, I'm going to lump three characters together in American Beauty, Lester, Ricky, and Jane. You can't do that. 
All right. Mm. Uh, I mean, I could go on all day about this movie because I just watched it recently again, and that ending is really, really more suspect than I remember it being, you know? Uh, but every, all, the, all three of those guys are on the fringe of society, mm-hmm. right? Jane is friends with the popular girl, but I guess just as a legacy, basically, mm-hmm. uh, because she's certainly not popular herself. And Lester is the sad sack and everything that's, that's good at his job, uh, but, you know, kind of obviously gets into trouble and changes his whole life. And then uh, Ricky, of course, is this hyper-intelligent drug dealer, um, weird video-obsessed dude that's also on the fringes of society. So all of those characters really are kind of butt up against something like the Annette Benning character, the Peter Gallagher character, who are just, you know, at, at least successful in their own minds, you know, and mm-hmm. Mina Suvari too. And uh, so I, I think they would qualify as nerds to me, mm-hmm. and uh, they certainly make it compelling. You've got questions about the ending. Though. Yeah, I mean, nerd can mean outcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's sort of what a lot of a lot of times they they mean in these movies. You're you just, guys know we're not locking down on nerds, right? Like we're talking about <laughs> people like us that we love. Right? <laughs> like that's coming across in the discussion, right? <laughs> well, there were more of you I would be able to tell we're, by seeing, your we're seeing some nodding some people who are plotting our deaths and at least <laughs> two people asleep mm-hmm. um, I, I, I want to talk about Seth Green in uh, <laughs> in the Italian job uh-huh. mm-hmm. <laughs> because much like um, the guy who breaks into the safe in Die Hard who mm-hmm. takes great joy in breaking into the safe. Yeah. Seth Green Theo. takes great joy in his hacking in mm-hmm. the Italian job. Now, his character is supposedly the roommate of Sean Parker. Uh, no, Sean Parker? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. he claims he created Napster, mm-hmm. and Sean Parker stole it while he was sleeping. And so the whole movie, he calls himself the real Napster. And there's <laughs> this moment where he hacks into the L.A. traffic grid, which, by the way, is this ludicrous scene because mm-hmm. you cannot simply turn lights green and red and expect traffic to follow <laughs> what you're doing in it's L.A. Fucking gridlock. Yeah. Um, but he's sitting in the airport on like a baggage claim thing on this mobile computer typing in. And once he finishes hacking, he you hear him saying as he's typing, you'll never hack the real Napster. <laughs> and it cuts to like the headquarters and somehow he's hacked like every TV has one of those words on it all the, all the way. He hacked their display in addition to their computer system. But he's like giggling like a little kid who just got a BB-8 toy or something. He's so into it. And if there's a theme recurring here, it's that when somebody is that much into what they love, I, it's, it's infectious to me. Mm-hmm. And I can't help. It's like Walter White teaching chemistry made me want to learn about chemistry. Like somebody loves it that much. It just makes it that much more fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we're at Wizard World, so I'm going to have to bring up Peter Parker. Of course. Oh, yeah, baby. Uh, who is, I think, I don't know, do we forget that he's a nerd sometimes? Depends on which movie we're I was going to yeah. say. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Depends on which actor. I, I, I think in the, I, I think at least in the Tobey Maguire versions, he is, he's brilliant to the point of like, you know, he's well beyond his years mm-hmm. and everything. Um, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't quite make it to class. So everybody thinks he's kind of, uh, you know, he's lazy and, uh, and all that. But, uh, the guy knows everything he needs to know. Essentially. I don't even think this guy needs to go to college. I mean, he's, he's got all the knowledge he needs. I mean, the guy can make anything he wants, but, um, but, uh, yeah, Peter Parker, man. I mean, that's a, that's to me, that's the, the quintessential comic book character, a person who's always been, you know, looked down upon and, you know, he gets his, he gets these powers that make him, you know, more than what people 
perceive him to be and everything. So. Does it sh- does it show him nerding a lot in uh, in Homecoming? I mean, he's on like the the quiz yeah. team bowl and everything. Yeah. I mean, uh, isn't that okay? I loved Spider-Man: Homecoming. Don't get me wrong, but isn't that like the most cliche way these days to show that your character is like some kind of a nerd? Yep. Yep. Ever since Mean Girls and the Mathletes or what have you, it feels like a lot of movies do this. Oh, we want you to know he's somewhat outcast, so he's smart. Yeah. <laughs> and Andy's about to enter a math competition or yeah. whatever he is in that in yeah. that one. You know, like uh, yeah, it seems to always be sort of a go-to for mm-hmm. sure. Um, anybody else got any more nerds? Well, while we're talking Peter Parker, I think the Amazing Spider-Man movies do a good job of showing Gwen as a nerd, mm-hmm. Emma Stone, uh, because she's not played like the way MJ is in the first in Raimi's trilogy, where she's essentially there to be a damsel in distress, which the character does become in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. But uh, it goes out of its way to show that she's every bit as smart as Peter, and that's why she's got this internship at you know Oscorp and everything. And uh, I, I just love Emma Stone, so I just wanted to mention Yeah, that for sure. <laughs> um, I think uh, the only one I didn't mention that I had was uh, Garth from Wayne's World. Yeah. Which we need a good music nerd yeah. in there somewhere. <laughs> he likes to play. He likes to play. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I I mean, there's not much to say that hasn't been said about Wayne's World, I'm sure, on this podcast. Although I did see on Reddit, um, like yesterday, a clip, a gift that somebody found that I guess Garth doesn't know the words to Bohemian Rhapsody and that Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> He's like either singing them wrong or not singing at all for like a huge chunk of it. I thought that was pretty funny. What I like about Garth in Wayne's World is he when he does the foxy lady thing and he's he's going up to the girl and he's pumping his hips and everything <laughs> and then it's like he didn't realize that it was flapping up the arm of his sweatshirt like a, like a dick or, yeah, like, <laughs> and and so like he shocks himself. He looks down. He's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go with that." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> meant to do that. By the way, everybody listening at home, you missed the visual treat of Barrett thrusting his hips. I didn't stand up. I, it was like Elvis. Mm. You have to film me from the. Yeah, I think the fact that you didn't stand up made it even more disturbing. <laughs> a little bit. There's this little big bit. curtain in front of the table. They don't know what's <laughs> going true. on down there. When this question came up, I tried to think of some others, and these ones didn't make the cut for various reasons, but. Uh, both nutty professors. Uh, Jerry Lewis mm-hmm. uh, is obviously like ultra nerd. I think this is where we get our even idea of yeah. what a nerd is, is Boy, Jerry, Jerry Lewis. Um, and that's where we get Professor Frank from yeah, The Simpsons yeah. yep. and all that. Um, but uh, I don't even know if that guy's smart in in the original well, he nutty. nutty. Prof- he is nutty. <laughs> I don't even know if that guy's smart, though. I mean, he. Yeah, you're right. It's almost more of a like an Inspector Clouseau kind of thing, right? Where it's like, you know, or you know, where you kind of idiot yourself into solutions, right? Kind of thing, yeah. And uh, so it's it was hard to. I mean, I, he's definitely an outcast throughout the whole thing. So if we could get the true definition of nerd and all of this, he would qualify. But man, he does so many stupid things in that. The uh, the Eddie Murphy one. He's smarter than the Jerry Lewis character is, but it's more of a reason to just make fat jokes is basically the reason <laughs> well, for that. Thank you, I'm fatter. I yeah. mean, fatter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but even in that, like his nerdiness is not what people like sort of lead with. It's his being fat, and that's the whole. Right. Yeah, his being smart is considered a virtue in that movie. I mm-hmm. think more than anything. Obviously, yeah, Revenge of the Nerds, that was one that I had a real problem with trying to get, <laughs> saying, here's our favorite nerds and everything. Those guys do actually commit actual crimes. Yeah. Like, it's amazing what we can get away with in the 80s mm-hmm. to, to because we want to get it over on the jocks and they're mean to us <laughs> and everything. So let's put, let's go into the women's sorority while they're tr- changing and everything and run around and do a panty raid. <laughs> and let's, so let's install cameras inside their sorority. We 
Which never, it, by the way, after they spend all night just watching them, I guess undressing and then sleeping. <laughs> I guess they're watching them sleep the whole yeah. night. <laughs> I mean, it's never heard of again, heard from again. That Those cameras are always there. So I guess they're like constantly just referring to they're them. They're still there. Yeah, they're still there <laughs> to this day. They're there. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. There's a there's a point in there where the guy um, pretends to be that girl's boyfriend. No, oh, yeah. And like, because he's proficient, which is in, insane. This guy's a virgin. Uh, he's he's Because he's proficient, she's like, oh, well, now I'm in love, in love with you. Never mind the fact that you tricked me into thinking yeah, I was your, you were my boyfriend you know <laughs> so it was kind of a hard movie to kind of like bring up for but it did give us that great Simpsons episode where we get that clip from all the time in the video oh yeah thing. yeah it does yeah, Homer saying nerd <laughs> yeah this bra bomb better work nerdlinger hey hey <laughs> alright so are we ready for some questions let's do it baby question question I got something to say I'm listening. Lovely. I saw some of the ones you guys were writing. I'm not going to name names. I could because I literally know like half the people in this room. (laughs) 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 But I saw some of these. Somebody says most unrealistic nerd, uh, Hugh Jackman and Swordfish. That's a great one. Chris and I were talking about Swordfish on the way over here. Why? Why? Uh, Because it's it's terrible. Yes. And uh, we were talking about Halle Berry actually and obviously swordfish mm-hmm. came up so uh anyway yeah i agree with that michael bishop thank you uh frank kemp uh says anyone have a theory on how theo and Die Hard got mixed up with a bunch of germans now that's interesting yeah, it is a good question what well, just m- happened to mention him and then you ask a question about mm-hmm. him i have a feeling that the kind of safe cracking skills needed for that heist are not common and so the German crew comes over, and they just hired a hired gun with a computer. Um, but that's just me maybe defending a movie. But that, that's kind of I a mean, decent point. And you know, they the, the the going back to sneakers. How do they the when they get in the back of the limo and everything, and they and the guys explaining how they get these agents to turn and everything. It's like, you know, some people they have bad marriages or whatever. Like we can provide them with women or you know or they have financial <laughs> problems and stuff like that uh so like i think a lot of times like a character like that they've they've zeroed in on him somehow some way uh he's got financial problems or something like that and it doesn't matter that he doesn't look the part of the german crew that's mm-hmm. coming in he just wants to do something for some money finally because he's been he's probably at some software company where they like shit on him constantly yeah. and all that yeah. so uh that's how i think they get those type of guys yeah i think a better question is why the f would hans just not tell everyone the plan the whole time Mm-hmm. Right, because the guy cracking your safe can't crack the last lock, and you just hold that information for a great reveal for yeah. the audience. But in real life, why wouldn't you just tell him? Right, we're gonna have the power cut. Yeah, to the whole. Building. Yeah, it's almost like throughout the whole movie, he's expecting Theo to get through that last lock, and if he doesn't, well, we've got the whole thing where they cut the power and everything. Don't worry about it, Theo. You know, so that's a good one. <laughs> what else have we got? What is your favorite MCU movie, and can you go ahead and explain why it's Deadpool? Mm. Uh, That's not that an MCU Deadpool movie. Deadpool is not MCU. I was about to say, is that right? even qualified? Yet. I don't think so. Now, what? I mean, that's a, an interesting question. What would be our favorite MCU movies? Well, I, I always say Iron Man, mm-hmm. um, and I I hate that because it's the first one, and it makes it sound like I think they're all downhill from there, which is not the case. I 
like I said, I enjoyed Spider-Man: Homecoming a great deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, for me, it's Iron Man. It's it's basically just the perfect mix and blend of action and comedy and origin and world building. Um, and it's you know it's the first time we get to see Robert Downey Jr. play this character. By now, it's old hat, and it's almost annoying <laughs> uh, to me. Uh, but this was the first time, and none of us knew the magic yeah. of that casting until you know we got into that movie. Or Favreau's av- ability too, really. Yeah, no, I, I agree because up until that point, he had only I think the biggest budget he had done was Zathura, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, uh, I'm the exact same. It's there's something to be said for the, the surprise of something uh, uh, when it comes out. Like I did not think this was going to be good when it when I first saw the trailers for it. I was like, who cares about Iron Man? That's really what I was sitting there thinking. And then it came out, and I watched it, and I was like, man, this is really good. I'm really excited about all of this. Um, I do think it. I do think it has sort of you know you you do have that less surprise thing that is as seeped into all these other movies i thought the avengers was fun i thought it was more fun towards the end than it was during any other part and i feel like uh, that's what a lot of people hold on to with the avengers when they watch it um and i and i and i don't have any problem with people who like winter soldier and everything but i I still don't get that movie (laughs) you know being great um but um but yeah, there's something to that surprise element of that first one. And what do you, you don't like, ever get it again. What do you like better, Civil War or Winter Soldier? <sighs> God, yeah. right? Do I have to choose? Uh, it, for, it's Civil War. I think oh, that's really? easy. I mean, for me. Interesting. Now, I'm not probably these people out here think Winter Soldier is the Godfather, and that's totally fair. <laughs> I know I'm in the minority there. But I think there's more fun in Civil War. Yeah, there's definitely more fun. I could, I, could I still say you could switch Tony and Steve Rogers' sides <laughs> and have the same freaking movie, yep. but whatever. Uh, my choices were already both dismissed by Chris, so... <laughs> um, no, I actually... Captain America has a really special place in my heart, and I actually like the first Avenger better mm. than either of those two later movies. The introduction of that character was, was really special, but I'll go with the Avengers. You like skinny... Um, yeah, I do. I, I I just I love. There's just something really pure about that movie, about that the story in that movie that, that really appeals to me. But I I just cannot match. Like you talk about Chris, the giddiness of that second half mm-hmm. of the Avengers. I remember sitting in the theater and just being like, I cannot believe they pulled this off. Mm-hmm. I cannot believe how much fun I'm having watching these characters that all had their own movies. Well, not all of them, but most of them had their own movies, and they pulled it off, bringing mm-hmm. them all together. There was just something euphoric about that experience that I know shades my memory of how good the actual movie is, but it was an experience for me. Well, yeah. again, he, I agree with Chris and, and you. I think the last hour of The Avengers is pure fun and joy for comic book fans. I think it makes us gloss over the first hour, which is yep. kind of boring. <laughs> um, and I think we have lost that magic in subsequent films where they're teaming up and fighting against and together. Um the joy is, is is gone for me in that. But maybe it's because I already saw it. Maybe because I only get to have that once. Um, I don't know. But anyway, Iron Man is better than Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> Password, Iron Man sucks. Yeah. Okay, uh, we got another one uh, that is nice because we're 
broadcasting from Nashville right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, which movie shows the best or worst representation of people from the South? Mm. Uh, for him. <clears throat> All of them. Now, mm. this says uh, steel, steel Magnolias equals good and Deliverance equals bad. Now, that, no, that's, that's a good I, choice. Yeah. Yeah, can, I just, that's good. can I just jump right off the bat and say, because I know you guys haven't seen it, Logan Lucky actually really impressed me with its take on Southern culture and Southern people because it's very easy to go very redneck on that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I live in the Ozarks. Like, you know, I, I you know, I, I live in that area. And there's there was such a respect, I thought, with, you know, at, at going not being false about the culture, but at this, you know, at the same time, really respecting the culture. So it, I never felt like those characters were looked down upon. Mm-hmm. They were just this is who they are. So I like Adam Driver's performance in that and Channing Tatum's as well, although not quite as much as Driver's, I thought really captured kind of that Southern feel. So. Did you all ever see Justified with Timothy Olyphant? A Oliphant? little bit. I thought that did a really good job of capturing sort of the redneck, podunk, Kentucky area. It was Kentucky, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. but it still showed off so much intelligence on the part of, like even the uneducated characters who were usually the bad guys, um, were still really freaking smart. Just mm-hmm. it was more of a Kentucky Mountain smart than it was, you know, book smart or what have you. And one of the things I liked the most about that show was the world building there. It really mm-hmm. felt like I was in rural Kentucky. Um, I don't know why that came to my head, but no, that was yeah. my... And then Hell or High Water for Texas, that's yeah. way south, but it's just it's so freaking Texan. Yeah. I mean, through and through, the dialogue, the the images, uh, the cinematography, the dust, uh, it's just, nobody is Texas. There's even somebody in the, in the movie that says, what could be more Texas than that? <laughs> right? The uh, the worst, I always felt like, uh, there was a, like, a, it seemed like every week in the, in the mid-2000s, there was some sort of redneck horror movie coming out. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, Hills Have Eyes, Wrong Turn, um, you know, these type of movies. The Descent, I believe, is even like maybe in North Carolina or something like that. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure where, where all these are, but I just called them redneck horror because yeah. it's just, you know, in the backwoods somewhere and it's always somebody who's just like, you know. Um, and it's, and, I, and I've, I started to feel that a little bit just being from the South. Like every, like all these movies that would take place, these horror movies that would take place in the South. They would always be the you know these guys who are just backwoods guys who you know, gotta fear those guys because they're from the south right yeah. <laughs> uh, they're monsters sure but let's look into the subtext okay yeah. um, the best just coming off the top of my head um, in and this is probably not my best answer but the rainmaker. Oh, um, nice! Yeah, is uh, it's a shot in Memphis, and 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 Matt Damon even says like I went to Austin P and all this other type of stuff. And Matt Damon obviously doesn't sound like he's really from Tennessee or anything, <laughs> but uh, he's from Hobbit Square, right? Exactly. <laughs> but uh, but a lot of the a lot of the people in there, like you know, you have the judge Danny Glover, who's really good judge and and everything. He's a fair judge, and it's not like one of those like you know you get out of my courtroom, blah 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 blah. You know, the, I, I declare, I declare. You know, they do that. <laughs> foghorn leghorn crap that we see from a lot of judges my cousin Vinny is another one that yeah, yeah. i think kind of does that you know so um yeah it's i throw a shout out to uh, oh brother where art thou to southern culture in there okay. i love that movie so much i mean that's that's taking uh the south and not making it a caricature it's making it a character i didn't mean mm-hmm. that to sound like a catchphrase but it's it's being said in the south because it's Famously, it's it's the Odyssey, right? Yeah. Set in the, mm-hmm. in the yeah. South, and having that context, the roots and the, the 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 landscape, and obviously the music and things like that, 
you got a lot of rich stuff to draw from. Um, I would also throw, Chris mentioned it in the last podcast, but the movie Nashville, Robert Altman's mm-hmm. Nashville, um, there's some divisiveness on whether it, it casts Nashville as a caricature. I don't think it necessarily Not does, really. uh, particularly because it explores the musical culture and the musical history of this city, um, which is not just country music. You've got gospel. You've got mm-hmm. um, you know kind of rock and roll a little bit with the Keith Carradine mm-hmm. uh, uh, character. So uh, I think it's it's more diverse than your typical Southern uh, offering for that. Nice. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna answer your question, J.K. I hope you're ready for this. So he basically says there's an all-female reboot of Face Off coming, and there's nothing we can do to stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Who would we cast? And I'm just going to tell you, I think it's hilarious. You think I couldn't stop that if I didn't really want to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the thing about Face Off, the reason Face Off works and is so much fun uh, in the face of one of the most absurd premises in history is that you've got two actors that are very good at playing over the top, and they have such a distinct, unique style that when they play each other after their faces have been swapped, uh, you get a whole second layer of fun um, seeing Travolta do his Nick Cage and vice versa. So we've got to choose two females that are out there, Mm -hmm. right? And also not just, I mean, it has to be drama too. Like they, you know, like both of those guys are known for dramatic roles. It's not just comedy either. No, in fact... I don't think we want to know either of them as, uh, from right exactly because roles. it has to be that unintentional comedy right. Thing, so this is a stumper. Uh, anybody got some throws? Something to throw? Melissa on? McCarthy and uh, Kristen Wiig. Well, that's that is exactly, yeah, exactly that what Hollywood our, would go with. Is that our, our most like the people that you would put in a female face off would probably be comedians? Mm. Because that's what I'm the, saying. That's why. Yeah, that's why I mention it. Yeah, you, you kind of have to go a different route than that. I think if you really want to do it. Yeah, and I can't think of any dramatic actresses that have such like you know huge personalities that they're like john travolta meryl streep and dame judy dench yeah and dame <laughs> judy dench you know what i would line up to watch that movie probably if i want to take her face i mean it wouldn't off. be it wouldn't be in it probably wouldn't be insane like nicholas cage or anything but just imagine those two actors those really respected actresses being in a face-off movie <laughs> that'd be awesome it would be awesome i want to see judy, judy dench go I want to take her face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no more drugs for that woman. No, you know what? We have to make it all British. We have to put Helen Mirren in there. Right? Oh, there you go. No Meryl so Streep. So it's all female, all British remake of Face Off. There you go. And so in a world where British scientists are faster than the rest of the world at doing mm-hmm. face transplants. Yeah, absolutely. In a world. Right. I'm down with that. I'd, yeah. I'd watch that. Yeah. All right, go back to you, Barrett. You got another one? Okay. Um, we can answer this generally, I think. Mm. Uh, someone asks, have you ever had any major blowback from a CinemaSins video? <laughs> 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 nope. I, nope. Don't, I can't nope. recall. No, can't, can't recall. Can't recall. Never. Never. <laughs> Not, not even anything I'm concerned not about. Not even recently at all. No, not snow. <laughs> Rainbows and unicorns. I, I think it, I think I think I think we had all of our bad stuff in 2012, and then you know, now we're good. Everybody's <laughs> all rainbows. Everybody's and on board. Kisses. Beautiful. Uh, okay, what is your favorite time period that movies are set? The in? 80s. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I think we all love future movies, right? Oh well, definitely. I, don't I didn't know. even think about it. The future didn't. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I want to be in the passengers time frame. Well, what I love about <laughs> passengers is when she's talking about, because neither one of them understand why the other one signed up for this. Mm-hmm. And she signed up to go to sleep for like 100 years, wake up and turn right back around and go to sleep for 100 years and go back to Earth. And mm-hmm. he's like, what? 
everyone you know will be dead. And yeah. She's like, yeah, but I'll be in the future. Yeah. I'll be 200 years in the future. And I, that line always gets me because I'm like, I want to do that. I want Put me to sleep. I want to see what it's like in 200 years. <laughs> but she could just do that on Earth. I don't, you don't know that. I don't know, man. Maybe the Homestead Company has you know, a monopoly on cryosleep chambers, and you can only use it if you sign up to go to the, a colony planet. See? Mm, oh, that got nice. interesting. That's true. They are uh, fail-safe, apparently. I, have, I am a sucker for uh, revolutionary and Civil War-era movies, whether they're battle-focused or not. Uh, it was my favorite subject in, in history growing up from elementary school all the way through to college. Um, I just love that. So that's why I'll still watch The Patriot Anytime it comes on, um, uh, even even like what's that ninety-two hour miniseries or the Gettysburg or what have you? I'm oh, the Civil War, the Ken Burns Civil War. No, but there's a movie I think, think called Gettysburg that's yeah. like four and a half hours long or yeah. something. Yeah, and then there's another one, the sequel that came out too. Like, yeah, um, God Gettysburg Two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll eat that shit up any day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go with the '70s. Mm-hmm. I love the '70s uh, movies like uh, Boogie Nights and Nice Guys and stuff like that. Uh, there, I don't know. I, maybe it's because the directors involved. They really get those details right without like making uh, exaggerations. Like I feel like everything that goes back into the '80s, there's always somebody that's got to be dressed up as Michael Jackson. There's <laughs> always got to have. There's always got to be a flock of seagulls guy. There's yeah. always got to be all these these things we've got to touch on every time it goes into the '80s. In the '70s, I don't know the clothing and just the music and just you know that that nice guys movie is great at yeah, that. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's just uh, I I don't know. I enjoy going back to that time a lot of times just because you know there's no cell phones and there's no, that, that cell phone problem in mm-hmm. movies is is uh, I don't know something some magic is getting ruined by the cell phone. I think yeah, in the, movies. the nice guys. I just don't think they're trying hard enough. Yeah, maybe. What, what it is is they get to a point where they're like, well, well, this character needs to solve this dilemma. Why doesn't he just call him on the phone? Oh, shit. Okay, let's go back and write it so he's out in the middle of the woods and there's no <laughs> signal or he dropped his battery. or what. It's right. just lazy writing. Well, yeah. Because we all have these, and every single one of us still has conflict in our lives. Mm-hmm. Every single one of us still has shit that we're late for that we might not make it to on time or what have you. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm just a little min- mini rant there. Got a little, got <laughs> a little even in the, like the, the Departed, there's that you know there's a, a major scene involving a cell phone, mm-hmm. and, and uh, it's I think it's good, but it's also one of those where it's like oh, I wish I didn't see it. I don't know something about cell phones bothers me in these movies. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's like it's uh, you know if it, I just would like to see what this would be like without the cell phone. You know, mm-hmm. like how would they how would they solve that problem? You know, it's interesting. You mentioned that it immediately brought to mind. Did you see? Um, I think it's called uh, the. Is it the following? The one that's. Uh, it, it looks like it's the whole aesthetic is the seventies, but they have like mobile devices. Like, mm-hmm. and it's a horror film. It mm. follows. It follows. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It follows, yeah. I found that really fascinating yeah. because it, 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 and it's purposeful. You know, mm-hmm. there's a really purposeful thing they're doing with the tone and, and kind of even the metaphor of the 70s because of the metaphor of the movie. But they also have mobile devices. I just, I think there is something right about what you're saying that it does change something, but it's interesting to see a movie kind of use that in a, yeah. in a different or, or unique way. Yeah, that's um, a good one because that it does sort of throw you off on what yeah, kind of like where what, what are year, they? Yeah, what year are we in? Um, mine would probably be the early two thousands. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not. I'm just I'm kidding. <laughs> what do you call those? Like the aughts? No, that, uh, that does so many great movies. Right? No, no, no. <laughs> but but it, what's interesting about that to me? I, I bring it up to bring up a broader point. Like, have we lost the idea of like you know? time and space movies past 2000 like we're getting ready to be in 2020s what defines the first 10 years 
I just think we have to wait a little bit because it was you think that so? way. I do. I think about ten years ago. I feel like it was we could have made eighties movies in the nineties. No, I you think, don't think so. I think it would have had to have been later than that. And same with the nineties. I don't think you could have made nineties references the way you can today. Like when we say on the podcast, "Boy, this episode is nineties as hell," uh, or "That movie is nineties as hell." I don't think we would have recognized that ten years ago. I think we still need need more distance. So are we smart enough to figure it out? Like right now, like what is going to define that first ten years? She's all that. Oh wait, that was in the nineties. <laughs> it feels like the. It but I mean, like, like the, the aesthetic. Early. I don't mean like the like the what is the aesthetic of, you know, those ten years. The prominence of digital. Yeah, maybe maybe technology mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah, yeah, it's the it's it's really the beginning to me of the big franchise film because of comic mm-hmm. books and and everything. Um, there are times that I can see movies like I don't know if this is what you're referring to, but I can see a movie that's made from two thousand one or two thousand two and go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 2001 or 2002 sure. as hell, you know? Yeah. And I don't know what it is. I can't put my right, finger exactly. on it. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's uh, something about the way they're shot sometimes. I can just tell right off that it's that yeah. era. And it's I don't know what it is, but I think there'll be a point in time where we'll probably look back and say, yeah, that's that decade or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you're right. You're probably going to have to have some time. But Get some distance from feels it. feels like we should be far enough away to know what right, that is. Right, that's what I'm saying. We're almost in the 20s. You know, I mean, yeah. We're still also only eight years removed from the odds. Yeah. I just don't that's think that's enough time. Okay. Well, let me know when enough time has passed. Okay. <laughs> we'll, I'm going to figure set a thing on my phone yeah, yeah, to remind yeah. timer. I do like uh, when they... You mentioned the 80s. The 80s certainly do have a feel. But if you get the 80s right, like Stranger Things, mm-hmm. um, where it's not the flock of seagulls guy right. or the Michael Jackson guy. And they, you know me, perfectly curated music is important to me. Sing Street is another example mm-hmm. of this to where um, the guy actually goes through different phases and different genres in his, in his journey and everything. If you get that right, I think that can really – it's almost like an extension of the 70s aesthetic mm-hmm. um, where you, you really feel like you're right there. And I think yeah. that's cool. Yeah, that's But a it's good one. few and far between though. Yeah. Okay. Well, that will do it for the Syncast this week. Um, let's – where are we putting people? Where are we sending people? <laughs> putting people. Where are we We're taking them and we're putting them in places. Yes, we're actually making a Facebook community page where everybody can log on and uh, comment and comment on, on each other, do your likes and all that stuff. Uh, it should be a little bit easier to, to work with uh, than SoundCloud because if you do get a reply on SoundCloud comment, it doesn't always come to you. So, um, yeah, look for that. That's going to be coming in the next week or so. Keep going to SoundCloud. Go to iTunes and subscribe, please. Tell your friends. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed this live, our first live syncast. Yeah. And probably the only one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. you Thank you very much wonderful. for coming out. That'll do it for this week at Wizard World in Nashville, That's Tennessee. Right. This is Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott Barrett Sharon and Aaron Dicer. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Spangler. Spokane? Yes, Spokane. I don't know. It's all right. We'll fix it in post. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, you guys get the raw, uncut stuff. Bravada. Uh, that's Hello? my funny voice. <laughs> oh. Hello. Yeah, come on. <laughs> These mics are too directional to pick you up anyway, but thank you. That was a joke. That was a mic joke.
for all you <laughs> audiophiles out there. Mike Joe. Thanks, guys. You guys, it really means a lot that you were here. I really yes. appreciate it. And uh, we are having a good time. <laughs>